Welcome to Rock Candy! Yay, welcome! Yeah! Hooray! A weekly podcast bringing you sweet treats of stories from the hell-bent for leather world of music! <laughs> nice. Yeah! That was good. We're your two beer-drinking hosts. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And today we are still continuing Metal Mania, though I'm pretty sure this is going to come out in June, but it's still Metal Mania today. Close enough. So fuck you. <laughs> the holiday weekend really just took us for a ride. It's uh, fine. It's yeah, fine. I feel like I'm fully unprepared for this episode. But that might make it even better. I'm I'm fucking winging it, and I don't give a shit. So hell yeah, you 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 got another thing coming. If you ah! think I'm prepared for this, <laughs> we're just gonna make really bad puns the whole time. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna be breaking the law of oh. puns. And we keep making these puns because today we're talking about a Judas Priest. Yay! I like Judas Priest. <laughs> I like Judas Priest. It's real cool. I'm tired. I know. It's actually I'm really fun. I'm fucking tired. It's really fun watching tired Ashley be like, nah, I got this. I'm, I'm trying to rally so hard. Well, perhaps our beers are going to help you rally. Tonight, we're kicking back with some... Tears of Green from Captain Lawrence Brewing, and they're from the songs Tears of Blood, yep. or uh, Here Come the Tears, Here Come the Tears, and also The Green Manalishi. There you go. That's it. It's all of them put together. Yeah. So- I, I figured that one out real good. <laughs> actually, not only that, but you did that in a hot second. I did, because I completely forgot to get the beer for this week. And I was like, I can do it, and then I'm trying to Google like leather beer, and I'm like, I'm not getting the results I wanted. <laughs> this isn't this, this isn't what nope, I want. No. Nope. Mm. Google, you fucked up this time. Mm, Google, what are you doing to me? What are you doing? And it is going to be a two-parter. Yeah. Because spoiler alert, we're going to talk about them for our next week to begin next month's theme of gay. Just gay. <laughs> That's the theme. It's just gay. It's just gay. It's just gay. It's so much gay. Just so much gay. Musical gay icons. But all I could think of was gay. (laughs) For Gay Pride Month. Yes, gay. We're going to do, I think, pretty much the full spectrum of LGBTQ plus everything. Ooh, we're trying. Ooh-wee, we're trying. We are, though. Like, legit, we're trying really hard. Yeah. But, yeah, I thought, you know, what better way to marry metal and gay. Gay. And the gay. (laughs) And the gay. Than with Judas Priest. Yeah, because... And if you don't know, you'll soon know. You will soon find out. I'm not going to go super into that, because that's going to be your thing next week. That's my thing next week. So, we're it's a two-parter on Judas Priest, but we have kind of two main focus points. Yeah. Like, this week is going to be... I'm focusing a lot on their subliminal messages trial, because I found that fucking fascinating. Yeah. And you're going to focus on Rob Halford and... Gay. And gay. <laughs> And the gay. And the gay. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty excited for the gay. And it's actually, a- this is be interesting because this is the first time we are, we're marrying our worlds and each taking a half of a parter. Yeah, this yes. is the first time we're doing that now. So, yeah, so this will be good because this will help me. Right now, my notes are a, just a stream of consciousness, which is terrifying. <laughs> I don't know if I want to dive into that. No. Maggie's stream of conscious note-taking is probably pretty scary. It's it's just a lot of deep thoughts and dick jokes. I expect the dick jokes. Yeah. I mean, 
It's my brain. What do you expect? <laughs> Dick jokes. I mean, just because we're ladies doesn't mean we enjoy don't enjoy the dick jokes. A good dick joke can be enjoyed by all. Yes, absolutely. Oh. Anyway, and I on think that that's note, that's a good segue. On that note, yes, let's talk about Judas Priest. Yeah. <laughs> Why well, we sound way too excited to be talking about metal? Yeah, I yeah. love Judas Priest. <laughs> Woo! We are James Hetfield talking to Bob Rock. We are Bob Rock right now. Oh, hashtag be Bob Rock. Hashtag be Bob Rock. Judas Priest is one of the most influential metal bands of ever. They've been making music for almost fifty. Yes, fifty. 50 I'm 50 years yes <laughs> they have 18 studio albums six live albums and 35 singles they've sold almost 50 million albums worldwide and have influenced a slew of metal bands and headbangers around the world and are still rocking hard to this day hell yeah even their fashion would become iconic let alone their music i i mean I think most people our age have to always remember the quintessential Beavis and Butthead moments where there's like breaking the law, breaking the yes. law. <laughs> yes. I didn't have cable and I remember that. Yeah. Like I didn't even know who Judas Priest was when I was watching Beavis and Butthead, but right. like I knew that they were referencing something and it was it was good. Yeah. Oh, I wonder what this is. Yeah. So Judas Priest was formed in West Bromwich, England in nineteen sixty nine. West Bromwich, Bromwich, wait, Breast Bromwich, Breast Bromwich, Breast Bromwich, West Bromwich. It's like a no. sandwich. No, it's Breast Bromwich. It's Breast Bromwich <laughs> now. God damn it! So Breast Bromwich was. I'm gonna be so confused now. Was in a rough and dark part of England in the West Midlands, often referred to as the Black Country. So already, metal is fucked. Yeah. Basically. Like, move over, Norway. <laughs> Fuck off. Maybe Fuck off back to Norway, Norway. Norway. <laughs> right? Fuck breast, you up. Breast Wom- Wormwich. Breast Wormwich is coming oh at you. Oh my god. <laughs> it was referred to as the Black Country, and this was because it was one of the most industrialized parts of England during the Industrial Revolution. And all the coal mines, iron foundries, factories, and mills created so much pollution that soot covered everything. Woof. It was literally black. Oh. Yeah, literally. Um, And even though those factories and such were long gone, the industrial feel of the area remained. And like many bands from the same area, like Black Sabbath, the environment heavily influenced the members of Judas Priest. Priest guitarist K.K. Downing and Glenn Tipton often attributed the inspiration of their complex arrangements and heavy guitar riffs to the factories of Birmingham and the cities of their childhood. Yeah. One of them, I can't remember which one, worked at one of these factories that was called British Steel. And eventually they would have an album called British Steel. So they were really influenced by where they came from. That's right. Yeah. So... And this is for your husband, Mike. Yes. The name of the band was taken from a Bob Dylan song called The Ballad of Frankie Frankie Lee and Judas Priest. Huh. Of all things, a Bob Dylan song. Yeah, that's... It doesn't seem like it would make sense, right? Didn't they have a couple other names before they settled on Judas Priest? Yeah, I can't remember what they were. I think they were bullshit names. I think they had like two or three other names. And then finally they're just like, oh, we'll just be Judas Priest. That sounds pretty metal. (laughs) It is. Yeah, it is though. 
So thanks, Bob Dylan. Good job, Bob Dylan. Apparently, they also um, recorded at Bob Dylan's like house. What? And at some point during their career, so okay. they were, they really liked Bob Dylan. Nice. I mean, sure. I'm glad he didn't influence the singing. <laughs> you get another thing coming. <laughs> I don't think they would be anywhere near as popular. No, no, they wouldn't. Because as you will discover... Thank you, Rob Halford, for your operatic greatness. For having a beautiful voice and not needing to rely on Bob Dylan. Not being heavily influenced by Bob Dylan. Thank you. Oh, thank God. So the original lineup consisted of Al Atkins as vocalist, Brian Stapenhill on bass, John Perry on guitar, and John Partridge on drums. This lineup... Didn't last all that long. And frankly, the early years of Judas Priest were a veritable revolving door of band members, especially when it came to drummers. They could not hold down a fucking drummer to save their lives. (laughs) It was ridiculous. I didn't even think that there were this many drummers in England at the time. Well, they used all of them. They used all of them, basically. Like, I can't even really go into all the ins and outs of the band members because it's just too many people to name and too confusing. All right. But actually, all of the people in the original lineup that I just named, yeah, not in the band at all anymore. The original lineup of Judas Priest does not exist huh. at all. Uh, by the time Judas Priest became famous, it was an altogether completely different band than when they started. Holy shit. And they didn't even start with Rob Halford, right? They had at oh, least no. two other singers, I think, before he joined. Um, I think he ju- I think he replaced Al Atkins because at some point, yeah. uh, shortly after they formed, they completely disbanded. And then Al Atkins started it up again. I think it was Al Atkins started it up again. And then, at, of course, they got had more revolving doors of members. And then that's when Halford came in. Wow. Yeah. It was ridiculous. I didn't think that there was that much going on with that. At that point, why keep calling yourself Judas Priest? I don't know. Because it's a pretty badass name. It is. Why. They're like, what else are we going to call ourselves? Punches Pilot. Also kind of a badass name, though. Yeah. Also, that's who David Bowie played in, what was it, Last the, Temptation of Christ? Yes. So the Judas Priest that we know it, the lineup that was in place when they became the metal gods we know and love, wouldn't form until much later in the 1980s. Oh. But for now, the band had seemingly constant rotation of musicians within the band, and 1973 was when vocalist Rob Halford and drummer John Hinch joined the band, and rounding out the lineup was Ian Hill on bass, K.K. Downing on guitar, and eventually they would add second guitarist Glenn Tipton to the group. Oh, all right then. There you go. Got a nice, got a nice hefty little band going on here. <laughs> You're making a ball cupping motion. I kind of am. I didn't mean to. But I am. (laughs) They went on their first tour in 1974, and upon returning home, they signed a record contract with the the label Gull. 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 As in seagull. That's the worst word. Gull. You know, some people don't like moist. Oh, stop it. I think gull. Moist gull. (laughs) (laughs) I just made you drive. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> two goals in life make somebody dry heave for real yeah make somebody have a spit take all right we're getting there halfway there <laughs> on a prayer <laughs> wrong band sorry wrong band. so after that they put out their first single titled rocka rolla rocka rolla they have a lot of things that are hard to pronounce 
I'm very excited <laughs> to hear you pronounce all of them. <laughs> and they followed it soon after with an album of the same name. And this was their first actual studio album. Their sound in the early days was a bit different than it would become in the 80s. Kind of more like progressive rock and straight rock than heavy metal. Right. And the album totally flopped. Oh. They ended up completely dismissing Rock-A-Rolla as garbage and never played any songs from the album again. <laughs> See, I think it's fun to say Rock-A-Rolla. 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 I, f- I don't know. It sounds like something out of the Flintstones. It's weird. Oh. I guess. Right? I didn't think of it that way. Yabba-dabba-Rock-A-Rolla! <laughs> there you go. That's it. I figured it out. I got the secret. They were just really into the Flintstones when they were recording it. So much I've discovered about Judas Priest that I didn't know before. They they kind of floundered with their sound in these early days. They didn't really have a straight vision of what the fuck they were doing. And they were kind of going in and out between all these different styles of music. And this could be part due to a, shall we say memorable performance and this could be why the album flopped also (laughs) they had a uh memorable performance on the british show the old gray whistle test which is a hilarious name can we please talk about how the british (laughs) had fucking ridiculous names for tv shows back in the 70s and 80s what the fuck is the old gray whistle test and what does it have to do with Bands playing on it. It just sounds like it sounds like the name of of a sex act between two old people. <laughs> she gave me the old gray whistle chest. It's an elderly blowjob. Yes, it's giving an old man a blowjob. It's the uh, old gray whistle test. Yeah. <laughs> that's, Woof. That's what I'm calling it. That's what I'm calling it. Uh, Rampant get... in retirement homes. Oh my god. Rampant. She's gonna run through retirement homes screaming. <laughs> old, old gray, gray whistle, whistle test. test. So during this performance on Old Grey Whistle Test, the band wore decidedly gaudy 70s fashions like high-heeled boots and frilly shirts. Oh. And Rob Halford, who had long hair at the time, wore a pink satin shirt that he borrowed from his sister. That's adorable. (laughs) Also, he looked great with his long blonde hair. Yeah. It was luxurious. But good for him for realizing that maybe... It's time to cut it off. And, or more importantly, maybe don't wear your sister's blouse. Who the yeah. fuck do you think you are? Lindsay Buckingham? Yeah. He's... Come for me, Lindsay Buckingham. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're kicked out of the band. Boom. <laughs> but yeah, the point is, I mean, you know, he, he, he gets it together. He, yeah, he... Rob gets his shit together. So Priest rallied real hard. And started recording their second album, Sad Wings of Destiny. After Rockarola totally tanked, they were out of money, and their record label was in dire straits, too. Woof. So all their label could really do for them was give them 2,000 pounds to make their next record, which was roughly $26,000 in today's U.S. dollar. Wait. Wait a minute. Wait, okay. Because the pound is supposed to be more than the dollar. But this is 19... So I was going to say, does it count for, like, now the pound's more than the dollar, but I did the conversions. Okay. I did the conversions. Can we convert pounds into U.S. money 1986, 76? Great. Yes. I did all that. Man, the internet's an amazing place. Right? 
they ended up restricting themselves to one meal a day. Ugh. Losers and, lunch. Yeah. <laughs> and they got part-time jobs in order to afford to live while recording. Because that's all they got. Yeah, that's all you got. That's all they got. I mean, t- any band at this stage, you're just a schmuck. And you're just trying to make it. Mm-hmm. And if you can make it, great. But you gotta pay your dues. Sometimes you have to make sacrifices, like sandwiches and tater tots. Sacrifice sandwich. And mashed potatoes and bangers. I don't know. I was gonna say, that all sounds delicious. I know, right? None of that sounds like a sacrifice. I'm sorry, did you just mention nothing but carbs? Because that (laughs) sounds great. Yeah, I sacrifice lots of carbs every day. Every day of my life. Except when I'm drinking beer and eating pizza, which I just did tonight. Oh, it's so good, though. <laughs> it was delicious. I'm, I don't regret anything. No regrets. They even stayed sober during the 12-hour recording sessions. <laughs> Maybe because they couldn't afford the booze? Maybe. That, that probably wasn't the worst decision they ever Not made. Not the worst decision. Certainly better decisions than most bands in the mid-70s. Yeah. I mean, because honestly, it's not a great idea to drink while you're recording. It really isn't. Mm. Mm-mm. Yeah, don't don't drink while you're recording, kids. Don't don't do it. You might fuck something up. <laughs> you might have some technical problems, like all the time. I think that would happen irregardless of our drinking. <laughs> Probably, but somehow it all worked for the better. This was the album where they really got their shit together and became the Judas Priest. Yeah. They dropped the, the ones weird... who really fucked over Jesus, right? Yeah, the ones who really worshipped Satan and fucking hate your parents and just want to like fuck up everything. Yeah, set fires. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting times. <laughs> they dropped the weird progressive thing they were trying to do and opted for straight up guitar driven heavy metal. This is where Rob Halford's vocals really took flight. The high-pitched operatic vocal style he helped create started here on this album. Nice. By the time Sad Wings of Destiny was released in 1976 to critical acclaim, albeit poor sales due to the massive rise of punk rock in the UK at the time, uh, Priest had become pretty dissatisfied with Gull and its limited budget, so they signed with CBS Records, this time getting £60,000 to record Ooh. their next album instead of a measly £2,000. I mean, if you can move on up, why wouldn't you? Exactly. So good for you. Yeah. And it, also, also, Sad Wings of Destiny, the cover of it is like the fallen angel mm. um, image. And that would become the Judas Priest, like, iconic symbol. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I never noticed. <laughs> I don't know. I just think leather. I think leather daddy. That's about yeah. it when I think Judas Priest. Basically, yeah. I always think of Rob Halford in his super leather and studs getup. But anyway, Priest would record four albums within the next three years. Sin After Sin in 1977. Damn. Stained Class and Killing Machine in 1978. And a live album called Unleashed in the East in 1979. Killing Machine was immensely successful and would end up going platinum. This was the beginning of Judas Priest's mainstream success and also saw them adopting a heavier sound. It was around the time that Killing Machine came out that the band changed their look a little bit. 
too. The leather and metal studded outfits, the gauntlets, the vest, the hat, the bullwhip. And a funny story about the bullwhip. Leather daddy. Total leather daddy. Absolutely. But a funny story about the bullwhip. Judas Priest played a British show called Top of the Pops. Top of the the Pops. Top of the Pops. Top of the Pops. Top of the P. They're not on the old man's whistle anymore. No, they've they've moved on up, man. <laughs> top of the pops. No, top of the pops is a big fucking deal. It was back then. It was like they didn't, we didn't have MTV. It was like American Bandstand. Yeah, for for arguably Britain. better because it was all the amazing British bands. Yeah. So Marie Osmond was also a guest on the same episode that Judas Priest was on. Oh, which is it's nice that they have variety, right? You know. Uh, she didn't appreciate the use of the bullwhip and didn't want it used on TV because apparently she is the mayor of Top of the Pops. I'm the mayor of TV town and you need to listen to me. I'm Marie Osmond. I'm Marie Osmond, okay? I'm a big deal in America. I don't like your bullwhip. Uh, how about you fuck off? That's that's my Marie Osmond. It's good. I think it's accurate. <laughs> my Marie Osmond impression is, I'm on Nutrisystem. <sighs> Fuck you, Nutrisystem. You're just granola bars. No, it's disgusting microwave uh, shit. It's both. But I mean, all I think of is granola bars. <laughs> Go eat a granola bar, Marie. So... Because she didn't appreciate the use of the bullwhip, Rob Halford found her backstage to discuss it with her. Oh. When asked if he ended up using it on camera, Halford said, Of course I did. I'm not going to have any Mormon telling me what I can and can't do with my whip. I knew she was a Mormon. I was like, I oh, think yeah. she's a Mormon. No, Is the Osmonds are super Mormons. Right? They're like not just regular type Mormons. They're super Mormons. Yeah, because they... there's like 18 of them. And didn't they grow up in Utah? Sure. I don't know. Midwest. But they're fucking weird. Yeah, they're I mean, so they walk weird. into a telephone booth, and when they come out, they just all have white button-up shirts and khaki pants. Yeah, they all dress And little like... Bibles on them, and they're like, hey, have you heard about the good word of Jesus? <laughs> hey, have you, heard, have you heard the good word of Judas Priest? Oh, I've heard the good word of Judas Priest. Say hello to my bullwhip. She was probably just pissed off about the name. Because if I know oh, one probably. thing about religious people... They get pissed off about stuff like that. Oh, we'll get into that. I'm sorry. For sure. People who are religious listening, you're all wonderful. It's fine. We're, I'm talking more like... Yeah, we're talking like the crazy... Like, like evangelicals. Somebody who's and... like, I believe in God, and then just like, you're going to burn in hell because you're wearing eyeliner. Yeah. There's a big difference. Yeah, there's a huge difference. So, and, and I assume that she's more in that category. Yeah. Again... You don't, one does not simply tell Rob Halford not to use his bullwhip. Exactly, Gimli. Yes, thank you. It's not Gimli. It's. Oh, Boromir. I'm yes. sorry. Holy shit. Wow. Burn me at the stake. I just got that wrong. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, Rock Candy, guys. I got to go burn Ashley at the stake. Yeah. It was a good run while it lasted. We went 21 episodes before she really fucked up the Lord of the Rings. Throw me reference. in the ditch, for that is where I belong. <laughs> <laughs> so dramatic (laughs) (laughs) i can't even do it fuck okay let me get through my fucking maria's story tell me more about maria's no that was it yeah (laughs) can't tell me what i can and can't do with my whip use it or not use it if i so choose if i want
It came as no surprise to many that this leather and studs look was heavily borrowed from S&M culture and also gay culture. And at this point, lead singer Rob Halford was firmly in the closet. And oh, he was firm, all right. <laughs> Dick jokes. Got so many dick jokes. All day. All night. <laughs> oh, man. We've got to record that one while drinking. Sweet riffing. Nice. <laughs> uh, and yeah, Rob Halford wouldn't come out of the closet for a Solid 20 years later, publicly. Yeah. He was clearly influenced by these two groups and somehow managed to casually get him and the rest of the band wearing clothing that heavily borrowed from these two groups, which I think is pretty... That's fun. Did the band realize what they were doing? I don't know, because I didn't really do a whole lot of research into... uh, Halford and his relationship with the band. I know it was rocky because that was why he left right. for a period of time. And I think it had something to do with the fact that they kind of knew that he was gay and they didn't accept it. I don't know about that. You're going to tell us about that next yeah, week. Yeah, because I've, um, read, I've read snippets, but I didn't realize that the same band isn't the same band isn't the same band. <laughs> so I need, I'll, you know, we'll get into that next week. Right. I think from what I've read... I don't know if he did it consciously mm. because I've read some things where where interviews with him where interviewers are like, you know, you have some of these songs <laughs> and a lot of the lyrics are kind of suggestive. Is Did you do that on purpose? And he's like, no, but now <laughs> that you mention it, I probably did it subconsciously. Right. Like, or I who, could just... Who writes a song called Hellbent for Leather and sings it dressed like the biker from the village people and is doing it not influenced by gay culture yeah. when they're a closeted gay man? Yeah. Like, it, um, it, it, yeah. 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 But, I, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, and a Hellbent for Leather may become one of my new favorite Judas Priest songs, though, because it's really good. Yeah. It's a real good song. But um, no, I could just picture him in his dressing room. Putting his outfit together and be like, oh, I'm going to give the boys a right fucking trip here. I'm going to make them all wear gay clothes and they won't know it. It'll be the ultimate troll. <laughs> Your British accent is always, thing. but it's always John Lennon. <laughs> no, John, John Lennon's a bit more like this, isn't he? He got me from Liverpool. I'm like a big scary man from Liverpool, but I'm always from Liverpool. But also, I'm sorry, like- British listeners. <laughs> All of them are from Liverpool. No, they're just all not from Liverpool. Like, we just... Why? You almost called it Leatherpool. (laughs) Oh my god! I hope they have a gay parade there that they call it Leatherpool. Oh my god! If not in this opportunity, guys. They should have a billiards hall. A gay billiards hall called Leatherpool. Million dollar idea. You're welcome, Liverpool. Get on it. You know what? We don't even need you to pay us the royalties. We just want a beer named after us. And you know what? I will be happy just knowing that it was my idea and yeah. it came to fruition. Yeah. Just shout at us. It's fine. 
Halford really hit the biker look really hard, mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously, to the point where he started riding a motorcycle out on stage during live shows. Hell yeah, and it was the most badass thing ever. Yeah, this is, to me, this is very reminiscent of Wendy O. Williams, because, you know, they would destroy oh, cars and shit on God, stage. Yes. She obviously was a fan of Judas Priest. Oh, yeah. Very much. Even 100%. though she was kind of in that punk rock uh, scene. Even punk rock was kind of influenced by Judas Priest. They definitely did spikes and shit. Yeah. And they did touches of leather, not quite to the yeah. effect yeah. that Judas Priest brought it in, but they definitely do leather. But looking at them extent. side by side, clearly somebody was influenced by somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Wendy O. Williams is like the bridge between Judas Priest and punk. Yes. It's like real leather, but like real punk. Yes. A little bit of both. So... He would come out on the motorcycle during live shows, and at one show in Toronto in 1991, he actually seriously injured himself after crashing his bike into a drum riser that was hidden by dry ice smoke. He broke his nose, but like so many dedicated musicians, like Dead from Mayhem, he refused to go to the hospital until after he finished the show. Good for him. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it probably maybe, just... maybe Dad got a little influence from him too. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe. Oh, but no, no. The uh, what were they called? The trendy people mm. listened to Judas Priest. Mm. They didn't. Mm. They totally fucking did. Not brutal enough. It's like when you in high school or middle school go home and be like, Backstreet Boys suck. Then you go home and listen to one song that you taped off the radio and you're oh, like, Oh, I totally did that. I don't care who you are. <laughs> no, nah, that wasn't even the one I liked. I like, Backstreet's back. Oh, man. I, was... I like the video where they're dressed like monsters. It was fun. I was an InSync yeah. girl myself. And Hanson. I liked Hanson and InSync, but I liked InSync. It's the hair. By the end of 1980, the band released British Steel and saw their fame rise significantly. The early 1980s gave Priest several hits, including Breaking the Law, Breaking the Law, and You Got Another Another Thing thing Coming. coming. Those are both choice songs, by the way. Uh, You Got Another Thing Coming was off the album Screaming for Vengeance, and they released basically an album a year through the entire decade. And actually, in 1986, they released their album Turbo, and this was the first time that they used synthesizers in their music, which was kind of controversial. Right. It Um, always is. When a band is like, I'm going to do something slightly different, boo. Boo. Synthesizers, you've sold out. Boo. Boo. Yeah, no. Stop it, guys. It's fine. They just started becoming a little more mainstream because they kind of had the pressure to keep up with it. And so, not only that, but they, they earned the the right to be able to experiment with what they want. Right. And didn't Queen kind of do the same thing? Like oh, they yeah. They started using synthesizers and everyone lost their shit over it. <sighs> Granted, they did do Hot Space, which is not a great album mm-hmm. or even a good album. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it has under pressure on it. That's about it. That's about it. But I'm going to attribute a lot of that to David Bowie. But again, the 80s was a huge time for experimentation, especially in electronic. Yeah. And you earned the right. If you have been making records and albums and been that successful for that long 
everybody gets a shitter. Everybody gets one album where you're like, I try. Ooh. Well, you kind of get to that point where you either have to experiment a little and go a little different or just make the same album over and over and, and over again. And then people are going to rag on you for making the same album right. over and over so again. So you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. It's a real catch 22. So eat a dick. Yeah. Skeet, skeet, bitch. But while the 1980s were the boom years for the band, the 1990s would start off terribly. Ooh. Fucking horribly. Ooh. Five years prior, in 1985, two teenage boys, James Vance and Ray Belknap, shot themselves with a 12-gauge shotgun on December 23rd, 1985, at a playground near their homes in Reno, Nevada. Yes, that was my second birthday. Happy birthday! Question mark? <laughs> Wait, they shot themselves with the same gun? Yes. So was it a murder-suicide or was it suicide-suicide? suicide-suicide. No, okay. Ray died instantly, but James survived. Oh, no. He had <gasps> severe facial injuries because he essentially shot the front of his <gasps> face off. Although he could talk and his vision was intact, his facial features were barely recognizable. Oh, my God. And he would have a large open wound on his forehead for the rest oh. of his life that never healed. When I was in high school, my best friend lived on the street and there was a guy who tried to kill himself on her street. Uh. And it was very similar to what you described. Uh. His fate, like he could see, he could talk mostly and it was it was pretty terrifying yeah it was uh it was pretty brutal he apparently well they went to like a playground that was next to a church and it was at night and i guess ray uh shot himself first Mm -hmm. and he died instantly but he got stuff all over the gun so (gasps) james was trying to use it slipped and oh like, my! Oh, yeah! It was oh. horrible, horrible. <gasps> I, th- honestly, in that scenario, I would have rather just. You kind of just had rather work. Yep, that's awful. Yeah. Oh, like all of the information that I'm getting on this trial is from a documentary called Dream Deceivers, and mm. it's on Amazon Prime. You can watch it. It's only about an hour long. But it's super informational and, like, follows Judas Priest and the family of James Vance through the whole trial that comes because of this. But they do a lot of interviews with James. And he can talk. He doesn't really have anything. It's it's hard to describe because he has, like, a Popeye mouth. And he, but he can't close his mouth because he doesn't really have an (gasps) upper jaw. But he can still talk. And... He has, like, a big, like, they made him just a really big nose. And his eyes are intact, but it's like he can't really close them very much. And it's like the bullet just shot straight up the middle of his face through his forehead. So he has this huge gash in his forehead that he wraps gauze around. And it's, and he has to wear a bib the whole time because he can't really close his mouth. It's, it's a really frightening but eye-opening like, oh my god, that's awful. It's really, really sad and awful. Oh. So in 1990, five, after, five years after the suicide pact played out, the parents of James Vance, who survived the suicide attempt, took Judas Priest to court. The facts of the court case are pretty simple. Prosecution attempted to prove that Judas Priest included subliminal messages and backmasking in their music, which they claimed mesmerized the two boys into killing themselves. 
They specifically named the song Better By You, Better Than Me, a cover originally done by the band Spooky Tooth as the worst offending song, claiming they included messages, let's be dead, do it, and try suicide. Do you know what backmasking is? That's no, when um, I don't. That's when they'll play something backwards. Oh, So okay, if you yeah, play yeah. the track backwards, it, it plays it forward. Right. So it's like a backwards oh. subliminal message. Huh. And... Subliminal messages obviously are just hidden messages right. within the actual track. So they were accusing them of doing like both things. Wow. So in this documentary, like I said, they follow James Vance and his family as mm-hmm. they're going through this court case. And J- it it really kind of makes me angry at, at the Vance family. Right. Because... The parents, Phyllis and Tony, are two extremely religious people mm-hmm. because, of course, mm-hmm. they attended church regularly. They tried to impress these values onto their son, but James was rebellious and confrontational yeah. and also worshipped Judas Priest. He and Ray were like beyond super fans. His mom in particular was vehemently against Judas Priest, oh, obviously, because yeah. they were like the devil band right. to her. They were just the worst. She viewed heavy metal as noise at best and satanic and unholy. Oh, I'm worst. sure she still hates them. Oh, yeah. For different reasons now. <laughs> but James and Phyllis said that James treated Judas Priest's lyrics like Bible scripture. And even, af- even in the documentary, even after all of this happened, when they were going through the trial and they were interviewing James for this documentary, he was still quoting lyrics. Like, he could just rattle them off like like so nothing. How, I mean, I will watch this, but how into this court case was James? How invested was he as compared to his parents? He never went to the trial. He okay. never went to court. He never did anything. But after this whole incident happened, he fully blamed Judas Priest and alcohol and drugs. I, but I'm mostly Judas Priest. Alcohol and drugs more than Judas Priest, but that's just me. Yeah. I've never said that music told me to kill myself. Right. So I'm different. I never thought that either. Mm. But also, he was just a teenager when this happened. Right. So uh, it makes me wonder how much of this was just him trying to find an excuse and he was, and I will give it to him here. I, I mean, I will not give it to his parents at all. I get it. You're you're upset about what happened. Mm-hmm. But he has to find a way to deal with the fact that his friend is dead. And right. both he and his friend thought this was a good idea. And he's young. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to come to terms with it. And if you can put this on someone else, that's easier for you to deal with, especially at that age. Most teenagers, young adults, don't want to blame themselves for things. Right. They find other people who, oh, it wasn't my fault this happened. It was this thing's fault. Right. And I'm not saying that this is even his fault. He made a bad choice, and so did his friend, but I don't think that that makes him a bad person. No. You fuck up when you're a kid. Right. And sometimes you fuck up in a really unreversible way. And unfortunately, I think he had parents that were willing to take this shit way too far. Yes. Instead of parents that were going to tell him, all right, well, let's go to a therapist. Let's deal with this. Nah. 
Right. We'll just blame the lyrics. Right. So, uh, in the documentary, Phyllis recounts James as a teenager, and by all accounts, it sounds like regular teenager shit. Right. He was rebellious, defiant, didn't listen to his parents, and naturally started listening to heavy metal and drinking as ways to act out and rebel. Sounds like a fucking teenager. Kind of sound, except for the drinking, sounds like my high school years to a fucking day. Yeah. yeah. This would make any super religious, conservative parent extremely nervous. So when things go too far, the parent is obviously going to blame the ear-splitting garbage noise as a reason garbage why things noise. went downhill. <laughs> but it's true. Like, that's how they view Judas yeah. Priest. So, yeah. of course, they're going to blame the, that awful muse, that noise coming out of their bedroom. Oh. God, what are you doing? Jesus. Those guitars are clearly guitars for Satan. <laughs> Guitars for Satan Guitars for is Satan. a great charity that we should start. <laughs> oh my god, yes! <laughs> Guys, donate to our charity. It's called Guitars for Satan. Guitars for Satan. We raise money to buy children guitars so they can learn music. But only the most satanic of metal. Like Judas fucking Priest! <laughs> and maybe some Mayhem. No. No, there's better bands than Mayhem I know, they can learn. but I'm just, you know. Emperor, maybe, yes. Oh, okay. There we, we go. We can teach them Emperor. Some Burzum. No. <laughs> nobody needs to learn Burzum. <laughs> James clearly had severe depression because of this incident, and both he and Ray were probably suffering from it before it even happened. You don't say! Yeah. But of course, they're teenagers, nobody's really going to listen to them, and nobody's really going to get them any help. Yeah. Ray's mother claimed that there were absolutely no signs of her son wanting to commit suicide. He wasn't depressed, didn't give away his possessions, etc., etc., but that doesn't mean the depression and suicidal tendencies weren't there. Right. Because what teenage boy is going to talk to their mother about what they're feeling? Yeah, none. And problems they're having. They're not. They're going to go smoke marijuana mm-hmm. and drink and listen to metal. And they're going to talk about it with their friends because their friends are the only ones who get how they feel. Right. So, sorry, Mom. And You some, might not have realized he's depressed. Yeah. And sometimes that stuff doesn't help. Yeah. So that sucks. And arguably, I feel like the people who are most depressed and most in need of help are the ones that you don't realize need it. Exactly. They're the ones that are going to try and keep it hidden from everybody. Right. Because it's something to be shamed for. Right. Or they're just trying to deal with it on their own. and Yeah, especially in the 90s, in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, oh. When, like, you didn't talk about that stuff, especially with Midwestern conservative religious families. You don't talk about it. So through this trial, the defense brought up the fact that the boys probably had this severe depression impressed Phyllis about Tony's domestic abuse. Tony is Phyllis's... uh, Husband. Husband. Shit. Uh, Domestic abuse, Tony's domestic abuse, alcohol and drug use, and gambling problems. Oh, hello. All of which could have had a negative effect on James as a child. You think? Maybe. Just just a scooch. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. bit. And, oh boy, this lady, she was... She was a pill. <laughs> Boy, was she a pill. She made Marie Osmond look like a walk in the park. Seriously. <sighs> yeah, she was d- super defensive on the stand, made excuse after excuse for her husband's behavior in order to put all the blame for the suicide attempt on Judas Priest. Yeah. Because 
the prosecution was really grilling her. And by the way, Judas Priest's lawyer, she was a hard ass. And she did her job real good. But girl looked like Eddie Redmayne in a curly wig. (laughs) If they ever made this into a movie, cast Eddie Redmayne. Oh, my God. Because, like, I watched the documentary, like, two or three times. And the first couple times, I was like, who does she look like? Who the fuck does she look like? Oh, Eddie Academy Redmayne. Award winner Eddie Redmayne. There you go. There we go. Well, we've got a role for you, my friend. <laughs> Eddie, we've got a hot new role for you. You're going to play a woman. Wear a red rig. There we go. He already did do that in one of... Oh, there was another one. Oh, I can't remember the name of the movie. But, but this time, you got to be a Judas Priest lawyer. <laughs> Sounds great. Sign me up. <laughs> so paycheck, great. I'm there. But yeah, she, this Phyllis lady, she was great to watch on the stand because she was so fucking defensive. And the prosecution brought up all of Tony's issues that were really prevalent throughout all of James, James's childhood and clearly had an influence on him considering he was doing drugs and drinking alcohol yeah. at a young age. And had a violent tendency. Maybe it was towards himself, but it was still violent. Right. But she was like, well, he stopped doing all of that within the first few years of our marriage. It's like, that doesn't mean anything. Your child is still a child. Those are his most formative years. Is this Tony dude not his real dad? Not his real dad. Did his other parents, other parents, (laughs) did his mother and father get a divorce or something? I, from what I understand, uh, his real father abandoned them when he was very young. Huh. I wonder why Abandonment maybe he could have issues? some depression. Yeah, maybe. Huh. And then Tony like was is essentially his the only dad he's ever known. But he's a shit dad. But he apparently was a shit dad and she was like super defensive of Tony saying that oh well he got over all of these things and it's like but you just said he's still an alcoholic and... Still gives you the back of his hand sometimes. Probably. But no, no, no. It's the Judas Priest it's lyrics. It's the Judas Priest. It's not the environment that he grew up in. And also Ray Belknap grew up in a very similar situation where oh. he never knew his real dad. And his siblings had uh, d- all different followers in him. And also his sister... Um, tried to commit suicide a couple times. Oh, man. So clearly something runs in the family there, too. But nobody bothered to try and figure that out or get him any help. But if you listen to Hellbent for Leather Backwards, because I'm pretty sure they just really want me to kill myself. Yeah. Or have gay sex. I can't figure out which one it is. And that was the other thing. I can't remember if it was one of the band members or their manager or their lawyer uh, who said... That, like, it makes absolutely no sense for Judas Priest to put messages in their songs telling their fans to kill themselves. If anything, they should be putting messages like, buy more records. Yeah. Go to more shows. Spend more money. You love Judas Priest. Like, why the fuck would they put messages in here telling their fans to off themselves? Satan. Satan. That's it. I figured it out, guys. But after the suicide attempt, James did a 180. He cited Judas Priest and alcohol as the main reasons why he and Ray tried to kill themselves. He even says in the documentary that he believes Judas Priest murdered his friend. He legitimately says that. That's unfortunate. Yeah. 
And the members of Judas Priest couldn't really do much to defend, but defend themselves. Yeah. I will I, give them... Oh, go ahead. First of all, the more you kind of watch at least Rob Halford that I've seen interviews, like, genuinely seems like the nicest dude. He is so fucking nice. He's it's ridiculous. He's just a nice guy. Happy to be here. Awesome sense of humor. I assume Hilarious. that most of the other band members, probably the same. Also, this guy's closeted trying to keep his fucking secret. So, I can't imagine that Judas Priest is sitting around, well, fucking fuck this kid because he fucking killed himself. I don't give a shit. Like, they probably felt absolutely terrible. Yeah. But at the same time, they can't just run up and be like, yes, our lyrics did that. Because they're like, no, we, what? Why would we want you to kill yourself? Right. Like, why would we want that? Also, we're not Satanists. Like, come on. Nowhere. We talk about Hail Satan. (laughs) And by all means, like, everything that I could see so far in my research indicates that these guys put on a really good show and everything is for the performance yeah it's very but when they get off of that stage when they get out of the recording studio they are regular fucking blokes that just want you to live your life and they'll live theirs and don't bother anybody right they're not trying they're not the fucking norwegian like black metal dudes they're yeah, this is they're not the complete, trying to ruffle feathers right this is the complete opposite side of the spectrum from where we started this month we start with Norwegian right. black metal with like you said they're like yep we want you to burn churches and we yeah. want you to kill and we want these horrible things happen and like judas Priest we want to spread here. evil like legitimately yeah because things are too good here in norway yeah. <laughs> meanwhile over in england judas Priest things is are fucking here. shit and we just want you to listen to our music and then just leave us alone. Like, we just, you know, we like to wear studs. <laughs> I want to ride my motorcycle. I, I just want, want to ride, ride my, my bicycle. motorcycle. But, <laughs> yeah, they're not sitting around saying, I want something terrible to happen. They want you to enjoy their music. They're having a good time. You're having a good time. Great. They don't want anybody to kill themselves. They just want people to go to their shows and buy their music. Right. There you go. Simple. But I will give Judas Priest credit where credit is due. Even though many were attempting to vilify these guys, they went through this trial with class and respect. They didn't cause any scenes. They didn't badmouth anyone. They showed up to court. They and their lawyers did their best to prove their innocence and they kept their opinions to themselves for the most part. Even in the documentary... They didn't badmouth anybody. Wow. They were just like, yeah, I mean, we just want to defend ourselves and show people that we're like regular dudes and we can compose ourselves in court. We're not showing up and casting spells on people and so they summoning show demons. Up in full clad leather. <laughs> no, they did not. Because I was not. wondering. I'm like, they? No, they. they leather sh- suits. They. they <laughs> oh, that would be horrible. That'd be so hot. Oh, can you God. Imagine how hot that would in be. In Reno, Nevada. Wolf. Oh, my God. No, uh, they definitely showed up in regular, regular ass clothes. Oh, and this is when Rob Halford was like little tiny Twinkie boy, right? Yeah, and he was wearing super oversized clothes, but they all still had like their hair, which was, <laughs> which was a thing all in and of itself. Wait, this was after he cut his hair though, right? Yeah, he had cut his hair, but the rest of them still had yeah. that hair. Oh, they had hair. Oh, I'm very excited about this documentary now. <laughs> On top of that, they showed extreme remorse for all the victims and the families involved. This happened to their fans, and they cared deeply for their fans, so they felt really, really bad for the victims and the entire situation. Mm. Like we said, 
they didn't want anybody to kill themselves. They just, they just wanted people to enjoy their shit. Dude, can you imagine, even without the lawsuit, I imagine hearing that two of your fans, well, one did and one attempted to kill themselves, you would not feel good about that. And that would probably be something that you would stick with you for a while. Right. So that alone is pretty bad punishment for something you didn't do. Yeah. Can you imagine creating some kind of like piece of art and somebody that loves your work views it and then kills themselves because of right. it? That's devastating. That's like, I don't want to create art anymore right. if people are going to have that kind of reaction That to would it. definitely make me look at it and say, mm, I don't, I'm going to take this down now. I don't need this. Because every time I look at it, it would just make me think of something terrible. Yeah. I think I'll go get a desk job now. <laughs> eh, arguably not a better choice. <laughs> then you just stew in your thoughts all day. Stew in your anger and frustration. And oh, eat I, your sandwich into I, a microphone. I will. <laughs> but thankfully, Judas Priest received so much support from their fans during the entire trial uh, there was a constant deluge of metal heads hanging around outside the Reno courthouse. Day after day, fans would show up to the courthouse to cheer the band on as they walked into the building, holding signs with slogans of support, declarations of love for heavy metal, and repeatedly asserted Judas Priest's innocence. And they have that in the documentary. And the people they choose to follow a little bit are like, they're just great. <laughs> they're like such pothead metalhead guys. And they're just talking about, like, how much their lives suck, but they have Judas Priest, so it makes everything better. Oh. It's really, really sweet, even if you're kind of like, oh boy, these are, like, my parents now. <laughs> yeah, right. They are parents now, but yeah, they had much. a really good time in the, well, early 90s, I guess. Yeah. Ooh, they wouldn't have been our parents. <laughs> they're but someone they else's been. parents. They could have been. I wonder how James would feel walking into that. You know, well, I as think a former fan, and then you see this, and like, do you have feelings that you think maybe I'm doing the wrong thing, or do you think, oh, they don't know? I think that's a big reason why he didn't go to court mm. and never testified. And Phyllis was the only one that testified on behalf of the prosecution that was in the family. Wow. Tony didn't take the stand. James didn't take the stand. She was the yes, only one. Tony will go up there and be like, so you beat your wife, huh? Nope. I mean, shit. God damn it. I'm under oath, aren't I? <laughs> but um, the mother of Ray Belknap, she she testified and so did his sister. Okay. But they weren't very strong witnesses or any, or right. not witnesses, but what whatever witnesses? you call Whatever you I guess. Yeah, I guess. I think that still works. Yeah. But uh, the judge ultimately ruled that the subliminal messages were a, quote, accidental combination of sounds. They even had Rob Halford sing the song into the microphone on the witness stand and exactly how he did it in the recording. And they were like, oh, okay, so this little inflection of your voice, do you do that on purpose? Is this what you normally do? And he's like... And he's probably like, yeah, I'm classically fucking trained, yeah. assholes. He's like, yeah, this uh, sound I make at the end of the word is something that I usually do. It's, and they're like, well, why do you do that? Why, why is that what you do? And he's just like, B- 
because that's just how I fucking say. Right. Like, I don't know what you're looking for. Yeah. Like, it's, it's. I know what you're looking for, but you're not going to get it. Because they were trying to be like, okay, well, he purposely made this sound at the end of this word. Right. So that when you play it backwards, it makes this word and makes it sound like this. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. It's complete and utter bullshit. Reaching for straws at this point. Yeah. And then they had him, they actually played that song, Better By You, Better Than Me, backwards, forwards, and sped up Hmm. to try and prove that it said something. And there's actually scenes in the documentary where the whole courtroom is listening to it and everyone's just like straining real hard to listen to it. Look, and you the- guys can't really hear. You, you're, you're not really listening to the song. You'll hear a lot better with these headphones on. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Dennis Nielsen. And then they all get murdered. <laughs> and they're all murdered by Dennis Nielsen. Yeah. Ugh. Yep. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Dennis Nilsson just shows up in the courtroom, <laughs> murders like, hey everyone, so buries them under the floorboard. I know you all think you can hear this, but you can't. <laughs> but you can't. Put these headphones on. By the way, have you heard the Tommy soundtrack? Oh, you think this has Satan in it. <laughs> Let me show you Tommy. Let me tell you about Tommy. This has nothing to do with Satan. Yeah, but I'm going to choke you. I'm going to choke you real good. I'm going to choke you real hard. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Fuck. The judge didn't specifically say that they were innocent they he just kind of dismissed the trial because there's not enough evidence there's not enough evidence to say that they had any kind of subliminal message or that they were backmasking right so they threw it out and everyone was fine with that some people were not fine with it because they didn't explicitly say that Judas Priest didn't do it but whatever right it's done and 3 years later In 1993, I believe, James Vance passed away. He died because of complications with his injuries. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, because he must have been pretty young. He was 19 when it happened in 1985. So he wasn't even 29. He was like 27. He he was 19 in 85, so he would have been 24 in 1990. So he would have been about 27. (laughs) Ha-ha, I mathed! (laughs) Fuck yeah! Yeah, he was about 27 when he passed away. And it's just like, what was all of it for? I feel his like parents. it was his parents. His I, parents really wanted something to blame aside from their own negligence negligence in in raising their child, yeah. basically. I mean, I get it. You're going through a shit time and your kid ends up dying anyway. And I should be sweet and sensitive too, but I'm not going to be. I'm going to call you out and say... You know, parents aren't great. It's fine. Parents don't have to, well, parents don't have to be great. Teenagers aren't great either. Teenagers fucking suck. But when your teenager does something really fucked up, you need to bring them to a therapist and get to the bottom of the problem. Right. Not just assume, well, it's the music they're listening to or the friends they're hanging out with or the shows they're watching, or whatever, the art they're making. Or the video games they're playing. Why don't you look at what they're doing and look at that as a symptom, not a problem? Right. Maybe they're listening to this music because it reaches out to them because of the shitty way that they're feeling. Right. So instead of just saying, well, mm, I think it's that show's fault, just say, what what do you like about that show? Or just take a look at yourself and think about the things that you are or are not doing. Yeah. And... 
I mean, even if your kid just doesn't want to fucking hear it from you. Because they won't. Because they won't because they're teenagers and they're pieces of shit. Try and just, you don't even have to be a friend. Just try to connect to them in some way. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the best thing you can do is just say, okay, I can't talk to you, but here's a therapist. Can you just fucking talk to them? I find a good therapist. There are a lot of shit therapists out there, too, so. Yeah, there's a lot of shit therapists. But you can't... That sucks. I wonder I wonder how James did at the end, if he ever kind of came to terms with everything. Because clearly, <sighs> here's the thing. They bring him to court five years after... After it happens, It happens. Yes. He might not have been on board with it for mo- most of it. He might have just been like, oh, I don't like Juice Priest anymore because it has terrible memories for me. Right. Maybe. And they figure, oh, we can bring them to court. We can get money for this. Blah, blah, blah. They sued... The Vance family sued Judas Priest for $6.2 million in damages. Shut the fuck up. 6.2. That's insane. Yeah. That's an insane amount of money. Especially back in 1990. That's what I'm thinking. That was almost 30 years ago. It's almost 30 years ago. So, like, that was a lot of money back then. It was a lot of fucking money. And what do they need it for? I mean, yeah, I'm sure he has medical medical bills bills out the fucking wazoo, but. Come on. Yeah. It just so transparent. It just pisses me off that it's very clear throughout the whole documentary that the parents want to come off, especially Phyllis. She wants to come off as this saintly figure Mm -hmm. that was just trying to to save her child and to and have a come to Jesus moment with him. And it wasn't working. And it was because of Judas Priest. That's Bullshit. bullshit. It's complete bullshit. It's because he clearly had a fucked up childhood and had depression and was using drugs and alcohol to make himself feel better and get him through life. He couldn't handle it anymore. And neither could his friend. Right. Obviously. Yeah. But... To them, it's it's not like that. It's because some, you know, demonic entity like Judas fucking priest is forcing their child to try and shoot himself. So fucking stupid. It's asinine. I'm just glad that they had a judge who was sane enough to realize that there's nothing there. There was, there was it, yeah. no subliminal messages. There was nothing played in reverse or forward or upside down that had any sort of, you know kill yourself message it sucks because it's just a shitty situation for everybody there you know we covered it it's like everybody had their own reasons for feeling like shit so you're all just stuck in this room together mm-hmm. we're all just staring at each other and thinking well this fucking sucks yep this sucks on a lot of levels for everybody here and we all just want to feel better and we're not going to yeah and i don't think Judas priest even felt better after kind of winning the case i'm sure they didn't still their two of their fans one was dead one was severely injured and they just went through like six months of grueling court testimony testimony and this trial sing your songs and prove your lyrics and the way you sing to someone and also it's awful to have to face the mother Mm. and father of one of the victims every day, that's Ugh. probably pretty heart-wrenching. Yeah. And Again, I doubt they felt good about it. Right. But anyway, Jeez. let's end this on a slightly 
more positive note? More positive note. because I'm pumped out now. <laughs> have you noticed that, like, all of the ones that I've been doing lately have been, we've been totally bumming at the end? Hey, Ashley, can you bum me out this week? Yeah. I don't want to feel good. Because I keep doing all these true crime ones, and <sighs> they're all bummers. <laughs> they kind of are. Sorry. They're not fun like Metallica, where you get to make fun of them the whole yeah. time. Though you do make some choice Lars memes. I do. I have so many more that I want to make. Maybe we'll just keep posting yeah, just, them. Just slap them on. I we just want to keep just posting keep slapping them. slapping them on. So let's, let's talk about a few other uh, subliminal message cases that oh. have come up. Because there have been a lot. Not so many recently, but there have been some through music history that have been pretty good. Oh. One of the most famous, of course, is the Beatles. Yeah. The White Album has been subjected to thorough scrutiny because people are constantly still trying to find hidden messages in the songs. And if you haven't listened to our first two episodes... Very first two, when we're baby podcasts. We're still baby. We're, like, almost toddler now. We're, like... <laughs> we're infant stages. We're, 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 we're trying to grab the coffee table and stand up, and you're like, ooh, but don't crack your head open on the side. Yeah. I think that's what having children is like. Our podcast is our children, is our child. This is the most child I'll ever have, yeah. in addition to our dogs. Yeah. Dogs and podcasts. Dogs and podcasts. But in those episodes, yes, okay, the audio quality is not great, I'm sorry. But <laughs> we do, we go through all the songs, and if I've learned anything from those first two episodes, John's songs, he's just taking a piss, because he's yeah. fucking over it. He's like, I hate everyone. I hate everything. <laughs> I'm just going to make up shit and people are going to find what they want out of it. Paul's writing happy little ditties. George Harrison just wants to be taken seriously. And fucking <laughs> Rango's like, hi, everybody. I wrote a song. <laughs> because that's all can Rango I, did. Can I put it on the album? Yeah, fuck it, whatever, Rango. I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> like John fucked off with the Elko. George is hanging out and eating candy with fucking Eric Clapton. <laughs> And I'm just writing songs from my dog. <laughs> That's how that went down. Didn't George Harrison have like a real affinity for chocolate or something? No, it was Eric Clapton had Eric a real Clapton affinity. Did. That's what something savory com- truffles about. Eric Clapton has something in common with James Hetfield. Oh. Isn't that cute? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. That's great. So in the song, I'm so tired, people can supposedly hear John Lennon saying, Paul is a dead man. Miss him, miss him, miss him. Yeah. Giving credence to the conspiracy theory that Paul died and was replaced with an imposter. Yeah. Stupid. It's so stupid. You know what's really cute is my niece really believes it. She's in high school and it's kind of cute. Yeah. Like for some reason, like when you're 15... 14? I don't know. And you believe this, it's kind of cute. Well, I mean... And I'll take it as an interesting good music. When I was 14-ish, I really believed that Courtney Love killed Kurt Cobain. Like, went and, like, physically killed him. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah, because I don't believe well, that now, anymore. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I mean, I don't necessarily believe it. There's, It's a complicated I don't think she matter. did it physically, but that's another episode. That is another episode. Woof. <laughs> Continuing with the White Album. Yes, sorry. Uh, while on Revolution Number no. 9 caused the biggest controversy, uh, according to many... garbage. Yeah. When played backwards, the phrase number nine become, becomes turn me on dead man. Some also hear the sound of a car crash and someone screaming let me out. Bullshit. 
I'm calling bullshit. I know that the part of them thinking Paul is dead is because Paul's in a car accident, I think, a year or two prior to the White Album, maybe. And they said he died in it. And they they thought he died in it and they replaced him. And yeah, I didn't even go into the subliminal messaging of the White Album because I was like, this is stupid. And I couldn't talk about number nine for more than two minutes before I was going to throw my face out. The fucking worst. I hate that song. The fucking worst. Hate it. So some evangelical Christians got on Queen's case about some supposed backmasking in their song, Another One Bites the Dust. Right? Don't come for my friends. (laughs) They don't know they're my friends, but they're my friends. Just wait until Brian May hears about this. I will. I mean, I'm sure he already has. But but you're going to tell him. (laughs) I'm going to tell him again. He's going to be like, who the fuck are you? So supposedly in Another One Bites the Dust, you can hear Freddie saying... It's fun to smoke marijuana if you play it backwards. Oh, stop. That's not even a real, like, subliminal message. Why would you even bother? Because it is fun to smoke marijuana. Everybody knows it's fun. Yeah, that's not a subliminal message, bitches. I don't even smoke it and I know it's fun. Right? You get it. I get it. Stop being such fucking plebs. And there is also a supposed satanic message in Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin if you played it backwards. No, there isn't. They're just talking about Mordor. It's, yeah. (laughs) Like most Led Zeppelin songs, it's just about Middle Earth. They're saying that uh, the verse that starts with, if there's a bustle in your hedgerow, Mm -hmm. um, they're saying that if you play that backwards, it's like a whole satanic verse. How are they even that sophisticated? And, and all right, and you're listening to these on because I imagine a lot of these were when people still listen vinyl. to vinyl. Not that people don't listen to vinyl now, but we do it ironically. And it's it's a different kind of playing. Yeah, if and that the, sounds and the if that makes any is sense. Different. You're getting muddy sounds, and even playing it backwards, it's probably not playing at the right speeds or whatever. So right. stop it. <laughs> Though it does Just stop. Though this does remind me of when I was in college in my freshman year and we got really high and we used the recording thing on the Windows. Uh, you know, you could like just record. Mm-hmm. They had a recording program on Windows. So I would, we were just all saying well-known catchphrases into the recorder and playing them backwards. We're like, no, 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 guys, these are satanic messages. <laughs> so you know what, religious folk? You're no better than a bunch of college stoners. Yeah. You're welcome. Because anyone can find satanic messages if they so choose. Right. If 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 you specifically went out to find a satanic message played backwards on any classic rock album you decided to pick up, you will find it. You could do it if on you any really album. wanted to. You could do it on a Taylor Swift album. You could do well, it on a fucking MC Hammer album. One of the most recent um, examples of this that I found was actually from Jay-Z. Huh. And, well, they attributed it to Jay-Z, but it was actually a song that was on Danger Mouse's Grey album. Oh, Which yeah. was Jay-Z's Black album and, and the, the White album White by album. the Beatles put together. Oh, so good. And there was one that took Revolution Number no. Nine mm-hmm. and Jay Z's. It's like Lucifer Six, Lucifer Nine, yeah. something like that. Lucifer something. He put those two together, and people were saying they they could hear subliminal messages on that, satanic messages and everything. Well, if you already have the the lure from Revolution Nine, right, and you have a song by Jay Z called Lucifer Six 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 or whatever. 
And also all of the lore that's coming with Jay-Z that he's part of the fucking... Hova, uh, Illuminati. That he's part of the Illuminati yeah, and he's he a Satanist being... and shit. Oh, see, I've also heard the theory that he's like the second coming of something because like he calls himself Young Hova... Yeah, he's the second the Illum- coming of something. <laughs> I, it ain't I Christ. It ain't Christ. <laughs> Sorry. No. Second coming of my dick. Somebody had to say it. Dick jokes. Dick jokes. Dick jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a new segment on our show called Dick Jokes. So there were also, um, there was also uh, this shit with Black Sabbath Oh yeah, because of it's fucking Black Sabbath, of course. You can't Whatever. Leave them out. Yeah, but I'm not even gonna bother going into it. But I want to end this on a real good note. Oh, I'm here for it. With Weird Al, even Weird Al got in on the action. Yeah, he did. On his album Bad Hair Day, there is a song called "I Remember Larry." Yep. <laughs> There's part of the song that sounds like he's talking gibberish. But if you reverse that section, you can hear Weird Al saying, wow, you must have an awful lot of time on your hands, which I think sums that shit up pretty goddamn good. Thank you, Weird Al. Damn it. I love you, Weird Al. (laughs) Weird Al's one of those people I look at and I'm like, I just want to be your friend. Yeah. So much fun. God damn it. Yeah. These people had a lot of time on their hands. Whole they, lot of time on their hands. Seriously, though, instead of listening and trying to find meaning in lyrics that isn't there, work on your shit. That's the lesson I want you to go home with today, kids. Dig deep into the fucking guts of your own self. Yeah. But anyway, thank God for Weird Al. Thank God for Weird Al. We're that's and that's I think what that's ended on. I think that's a good note to end. That's it a on. nice solid note to end on. It will be to be continued next week, though. Yes, but we're it will. gonna. Or take a hard left turn into gay. (laughs) We are all about the gay. But thank you all for listening to Rock Candy. We, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. You can find us on all the things. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Instagram is Rock Candy Podcast. So is Facebook. So is Facebook. And Twitter is Rock Candy Pod. Yeah. You can go on our website, www.rockcandypodcast.com. Holy shit. It's like you've listened to me all these 20 <laughs> it's episodes. It's like I've heard this a couple times Woof. before. It's like the past 20 weeks of your life has been this. Yeah. You can add us. You can email us. You can comment on our shit. You can yeah. tell us we suck. You can tell us you love us. We don't care. Yeah, we really don't. At this point, we are it. just pretty much looking for attention. <laughs> It's fine. We're really desperate for it at it's this okay. point. So, uh, it's okay. I'm in therapy. It's fine. I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm working on it. It's fine. But uh, also, rate and review us. Yeah, the rates and the reviews that you leave us help us get discovered by other people. So if you think we're really good and you really like us and you really want other people to hear us and your coworker at work's like, yeah, that's cool. You talk about that podcast, but I'm not going to listen to it. If you rate and review us on iTunes and we plop up and we're in a little like, Hey, did you hear about this podcast? And then maybe they'll see it and be like, Hey, did you hear about this podcast? Like, yeah, you fucker. I've been telling you about it for weeks. This is long winded. I'm sorry. (laughs) This is a very detailed scenario. No, it's never, it's actually genuinely never even happened. I was just thinking about it in my head. Anyway. Um, and with that party on Ashley, (laughs) party on Maggie, party on you crazy kids out there. Bye. Bye.